Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan. Liam, what is the news? The news. Well, the news is that we've got a really lovely interview with Adam Amin coming up. Mm -hmm. So that's part of this show. But the other news, before we get into big waves and fear and all of the stuff that comes with the interview, is, I don't know if I'll be banging on about this too much, but I've got a new board. I'm now surfing on this Tomo Evo and I've taken it in a number of different waves and different conditions. And you've heard on the previous episodes that, you know, I've been getting thrashed as Will's taking me out into sort of bigger waves and trying to do takeoffs on something that probably at my level I could do with the step up. If anybody's listening and they want to send me a step up board, I'll take one gratefully. But having taken this board back to one of our favourite sort of, or my favourite sort of um, like practice net places, which is Saunton, it just flies. It's great. Mm. Uh, I know Sasha, who we're going to speak to, is a big fan of the Tomo boards as well. But mm-hmm. I just love that that thing, and particularly with the I've got this thing. I was not a very experienced surfer, but just putting the MR, the mark which is twins in the big side fins uh, as a twin on that board has been great, and it just feels. Probably if I watched, as we were saying last week as well, some video of me mm. surfing, I mm-hmm. wouldn't feel as confident. But the little sort of trip I did with the kids and the family to Saunton and I had a couple of sessions there, morning and, and, and afternoon, it just gave me some level of confidence back, which slightly gets knocked out of you sometimes when you're pushing the envelope of what you can do and you're not able to do the things that you think you've cracked. I get it. So that's the news, really. But weirdly now, feel I've had a sort of surf drought, even though it was only mm. a few days ago that I was stoked on these these waves. It's amazing how time changed because yeah. you would have been what landlocked for X amount of months at one point and not surfed for yeah periods I mean, of weeks and months. And, and it's amazing how the goalposts change. Like now, if you go even a week, yeah, without a wave, you're starting to or days. It's weirdly for me. I don't know how it's for any or the listeners of people that kind of uh, surf either irregularly or regularly, but this is a sort of from a regular point of view, is that the better the last session is, the more you want to go again the yeah. next day. But then at times, even with the crappy sessions, I want to go again to exercise the demons of the previous surf. So I'm sort of caught in this terrible place now where I am even hungrier for, for the waves that we get. It's interesting. I, I, my news is that I've been feeling bad because I keep taking you on surfs that are possibly not as joyous, yeah. shall we say? Yeah as going to sort of mellower breaks. And um, it's been this interesting one for me. If anyone's listening to this who surfs with friends, Mm -hmm. which is highly likely, and if not in a way, like surfing is one of those interesting sports where, you know, unless you're absolutely a local, just straight to that beach, you know, five minute walk or 10 minute walk or whatever. Most of the time, there's going to be a little bit of travel involved, how many minutes or hours, and it'll possibly if not probably be with a friend or a couple of friends or, yeah. or whatever. Now we don't call it a team sport by any means, but it's certainly, um, there's a lot of camaraderie mm. on the way to waves, as we know with, you know, the coffee's flowing yes. and you're getting pumped up, the adrenaline, yeah. all that stuff. You're hyping up, you're talking the talk. You're, yeah. oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm, oh, I yeah. wonder if we go there and, you know. <laughs> Until you see them. <laughs> Until you actually get in, right? <laughs> um, but it is that kind of sport. And, and I've been going down and choosing these spots for you. And it's been for me interesting because I, I'm going for waves and, you know, there were a couple I had the other day that were just dreamy. You, we get that, you're stroking in and you feel this just surge of good energy. Like mm. it's it's where mm. you're in control of the nerves, yeah. which is where I want to get, get you right. to. And you, you know you want to as right. well. I say, I want to get you to there. You want to go there too. Mm. It's this feeling of nerves that is, is under control. So it's kind of like the line between mm. order and chaos. Mm-hmm. You're sort of gliding into this thing that you know is going to just fold perfectly mm. above your head. And just peel, but like r- with real speed and power. It is absolutely like what we talk about. Like the chaos is the power. Yeah. 
but you've got your rail in, which is the order, and you're in the flow. And it's, it, this is so much what we talk about. And I had that over and over and over. Mm. And normally I kind of hoot and holler and whoop and woo and, and, and talk about my waves and all these things. But I noticed as the session went on, particularly punchy beach break, mm. I sort of went, nah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this because it's kind of like it would feel to me like I'm rubbing it in. Mm. Like you're not having such a great surf. So if I'm going to be a mindful surfer, <clears throat> everything we do. Yeah, this, you've got the T-shirt. Show, you might as well I live might, it. I might as well. I, yeah, I might, as well, might as well try and do it considering we have T-shirts and yeah. call our fucking podcast yeah. The Mindful Surfer. Um, but it's like, I was like, hmm, no, I'm just going to leave him there. He's just doing his thing. And, and one thing I observed was that there was a guy next to you who was shall we say, kookier. Yeah. Although, you know, what is a kook? Well, we, as the last episode we've talked about defines that. what is a kook. By the way, that was an archive from our library of pods that we recorded before we started this. Yes. But so apt for what we were talking about last week. 100%. Um, and it was this guy next to you, and, and we'll call him kookier, just yeah. for the sake of what we're talking about. And he was just getting wave after wave after wave, and but really kind of messing mm. up most of them, I would say, um, catching his rail and bogging and didn't really know about how to work rail to rail and, and get down the line. But he was just going for it. Yeah. And in my head, I was going, go on, Liam, just fucking just go, man, just go. And one thing that was I was observing was, and this is just a guess, and I want your mm. take on it, dude, is that on one level, I think you were a little undergunned, yeah. which is like what we're going to discuss in a second, that yeah. having something that could just get you in a bit earlier. Now, this guy was on a 7.6, yes. something like a greedy beaver or yeah. sort of like a, a what we call a fat nose, a round pin tail. Yeah. So it'll hold under the under the bowl well, but it'll get you in really early. And the second piece is in noticing how you manage your surf psychology, shall mm. we say, is that when you go down a step, it takes you down and down like a spiral. Mm. But then when you go up a step, it takes you up and mm. up. So you're... We discussed this in the van after that you're, there's this almost slight roller coaster mm. that you could learn maybe, only maybe, because fuck's sake, I, me saying this doesn't mean I'm right. I've just, just my interpretation, but that maybe you could learn to observe the roller coaster more rather than be so involved in it. Perhaps? Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably, as a, which is weird in my surfing because in life I've got a pretty good sort of middle zen position, but mm-hmm. surfing, it takes you on that high and low when mm-hmm. you're in more extreme conditions because you're absolutely right. There's the elation that comes with making some of that stuff, but there's the sort of downward spiral of not. And uh, once you get into that, it's very hard to sort of, I'm pretty good at giving myself a pep talk to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. I think most surfers will relate to this and and as they get progressive on the journey is like when you get to a point of, I've I've got to get through this or I won't progress. Mm. It can be quite a sticky place to be because the easy thing to do is to go back to where you feel most comfortable, back into the comfort zone, which is what I did on uh, Saturday, which which you need for practice. Yes. And you need for that confidence building. But at the same time, you have to be, as we were talking about, more stone in the, just before the show. Stoned? Sto- stone. stone. <laughs> Take the D off the end. Where you go, maybe stone would help. Maybe I was that just going to uh, say it might help. CB. So, you, so you say that um, you have to be as impervious to praise as you are to criticism. And that's self praise and self-criticism actually not from other people when you're surfing because the self-criticism when you don't make something or the and the fear thrown into that as well because the ego sometimes doesn't want to tell you it's because you're frightened Mm. wants to tell you you've got the wrong equipment or you're in the wrong conditions and that sort of thing but as i always say if you want to learn a journey you have to look at yourself and say these are the authentic reasons i wasn't able to do x y or z Mm -hmm. put that in any context if you then accept those and you work on them then that's where the gains come Absolutely. The high and the low from that session was probably got one of the best waves of my life, mm-hmm. but also got, again, another 
good three or four thrashings of the recent surf life I've had as well. Mm. It's just not putting too much onto the board to the head or the fin to the leg or whatever you do when you're in there. Yeah. You've got to overcome those things if they're not serious and just get on with it. It's true, man. Um, it's true. So it's, it's a very good observation. And I think one that any learner in any sport, and it's interesting that we talk about it from a very Zen perspective, because when you're trying to make those improvements, and, and even for me, there is a tendency to creep into the egoic mind. And mm. when you go into the egoic mind, it's not the John McEnroe, um, Nick Kyrgios sort of slamming of a tennis racket or even Djokovic hitting a ball at the line judge. Mm. But there is an element of like frustration that creeps in, which is, you know, that's where my own pep talk comes back to myself because the worst, th- the worst thing you want to do with something that you get so much out of mm. is to create such a competitive internally competitive uh, element Mm. to it that you start to lose some of the joy so true and it's such a beautiful challenge because you can't get better at something without going through sort of struggle yeah it's impossible Mm -hmm. and failure in that way Mm. and the question then becomes you know is that enjoyable Mm. at the time fuck no like who wants to struggle who wants to be flapping around in the ocean and falling off yeah. and getting smashed? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. there's no way. Except that when you go through that and you have an uptick and something clicks, all of the struggles wash away. And then there's this kind of, this unique thing that happens in all areas of life in, in surfing in particular, like we're talking about, that when you've been through struggle and then you have some success, yeah. even just a little bit, the success doesn't really mean anything. What has such powerful meaning is that you've yeah. been to a place that made you vulnerable, which is failure. Yeah. But you didn't stop Mm. and you didn't give up. Exactly. And that is a very, very, very unique thing that only someone can feel for themselves when they know deep down, when they lay in bed at night and they they honestly say, I am going to try. Yeah. I am going to keep on trying. An interesting one for me at the moment, I want to relate this to to my cricket journey because I've talked about that a little bit in this show. And um, it relates to surfing, obviously, because it's about the mind and ego and sport and all these things and... I've slowly started to ease off the gas on the cricket a a little bit. And the challenge involved in that is that I'm seeing so many parallels Mm. with my cricket journey. Mm. Reasonable novice, shall we say, although a few bits of success. I'm seeing so many parallels between that as you are in your journey of wanting to get onto steeper waves. And I'm going, shit, am am I not actually walking my talk here? Because if I'm pulling out a little bit, well, I'm now saying I'm letting my ego. Yeah take over and take control. But I think what's really interesting, and this is where kind of, it's probably my ego defending itself as the justification of why I've been pulling back from it a little bit is because we think about team sport that is so different to surfing. And it's why we love surfing. I'm sure most of us would agree with this. The thing with team sport is there's so many other egos. Yeah. And there's other bits of politics Mm. and there's other bits of dynamics and personalities. And Mm. that is a melting pot for something that that I've always wanted to steer clear of Mm. ever since really taking on the surfing bug 13, 14 years ago when I left rugby. One of the biggest reasons why I left rugby was because I actually, in hindsight, when looking back, I thrived on my coach saying, well done. I think you are a good player. I think you could play for England. I think Mm. you could do this. Mm. I think you could do that. Pat, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then I go, why the fuck was I playing that game? You know, did I want to impress my buddies in the locker room because I've just torn someone in half? Oh, I'm so big, I'm so strong. Or was I really playing it? Because I just wanted to, to play it. And that's what's interesting about team sports. And I think that, you know, I don't think there's a team sportsman on the planet that would deny their ego in that realm 
completely. It would be, it would be foolish to, yeah. completely. But what's lovely about surfing, and I think what I am just drawn to over and over, and I would always come back to it, even if I'm paralyzed one mm. day, I'll somehow get in the mm. sea or I'm missing my legs or go mm. boogie boarding mm. or whatever it might be. It's because the thing with the ocean is it's just your ego. Yeah. And it's just your environment and mm. it's your thing. Now, I know it gets crowded and that affects things. And I know, you know, certain breaks and what kit you're wearing mm. and what board you're mm. riding and all that it has an effect on the yeah. ego. But really, it's just that solo thing. Yeah. It's just you. Yeah. And that is what draws me back again and again. It makes it so powerful because it's a, it's a, it's a self-development journey. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And I think that sort of ties into everything around the principles of what we're talking about and what we talked to Adam about is ego, fear, who are you impressing, how are you impressing them? And ultimately struggle, what you mm, mentioned before mm. that. Humans want to hear about struggle. So we are almost uh, predisposed to, at the time, not enjoying the things that we go through. And almost like, you know, some of this applies to that kind of Buddhist philosophy of life being kind of to an extent a struggle. But if you look at sort of our own sort of narratives that we we draw, we all like those kind of heroic stories mm. of uh, triumph over adversity, war stories, people who've come through something. And so we lean towards those things. So at the time they're horrific, but it, it almost mm. kind of enhances the enjoyment of life because you've, you've been through that. And actually we'll sort of go into the interview with Adam, where he, he totally. has talked about struggle and fear and all of the principles that we go through as a mindful surfer. Can I just ask really quickly before we jump on the call with Adam, what is the kookiest thing that has happened to you or that you have done in the last seven days? There might be nothing. I've got one for me. Yeah, not in the seven days, I would say. Well, I'm going for a sea swim after this, so we'll, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> forget, forget to put your wetsuit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine was last week on holiday. I haven't done this for years. I actually put on my wetsuit the wrong way around and I was impressed. I was genuinely, I was pulling it up. I was like, you fucking shit me. The, the chest sips round up my back. Oh wear my it God. backwards well, sometimes. Well, why Shit. not? Why not? A buddy of mine thought is that's how you wear them ones. Does the same same job? Well, quite. You've yeah. got to just reach around the back. <laughs> and let's now talk to Adam. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Adam, I'm in. Is all hey, hello. How are you doing, Adam? Good, good, good. Great. Yeah. Great to see you, buddy. It's a beautiful Maui day today. Well, we raise you your beautiful Maui day for our uh, shitty Sidmouth uh, day. <laughs> Adam, tell us about that board <laughs> behind your head because that didn't happen at Jacob's Ladder, did it? That uh, that board snap there. Ah, uh, no. Actually, so it's two boards. So one of them's a 10-10-0 and one of them's a 10-6. And they both snapped on my first wave. Just fill in the list. Where were you so, Yeah, both times with Jaws. And um, the 10-0 was a paddled out. And it was a beautiful day. It was a, actually, no, it wasn't my first wave. It was my second wave that it broke. So my 10-0, first time trying out the, that 10-0. And um, yeah, took off on a, on a left. And it was just, it was like a perfect barrel. I just, just in front of it. And I just pulled out and just spat so hard on me. And the left doesn't really do that. So just that gives you uh, like, you know, an insight out of how good that day was. And it was just me, my friend, Sean, and this guy named Trevor. That was all. That was because it was kind of out of season. Perfect. If it was like on season, there would be like 50 to 100 guys out there with like 20 boats, you know, 30 skis, all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we, we were super stoked. It was just three of us. And then I was paddling out. My safety guy comes up and like tries to grab me. I'm like, no, no, I just, I just want to paddle out. I don't really like riding the ski. I just, I love paddling back out. But uh, this occasion, it kind of bit me in the ass because I like paddled out and um, I was getting to my friends, like just getting to them. And the set of the day comes and just like 
just comes over. I have to ditch the board, lands on my head, leash snaps, board goes in the rocks, and my safety guy doesn't spot me. And so my board goes straight and just like, just, well, snaps <laughs> on the rocks. Jeez. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm like shouting, come grab me. Fuck. What do you do when that happens? Because, you know, classic day, you've got one wave, and the second wave, you sort of smash a board. How quickly can you go grab another? I mean, it's not like you can die. Um, I have to jump off at the rocks, climb up the cliff to go to my car or my mate's car and grab my other board, um, which to climb that, you know, it's, it's, it's literally a cliff. You have to like wind up. It's like you're slipping all over the place because it's, it's um, like Maui mud. It's very clay. So you're just slipping all over the place. You finally grab your board. That specific day, I grabbed my mate's board, who was in the water with his his other one. I ended up snapping his one as well. So that was, <laughs> that was fun. But uh, no, nah, it was an older board. It was this 10-6. I ended up getting like one of my favorite backside barrels that day. And then obviously there was no cameras or whatever. So it was, it was like soulful surf, you know? Yeah. Just a perfect Jaws day. And I loved it. There was off-season, no photographers, no, no this, no that. So was, it was cool. It was, it was really um, a great day. You could, just to say, could you tell the listeners what your, just give a little background, your story. There's a, there's, a, there's a very famous story about how you entered into the Jaws realm, being from the UK, from Devon, from surfing small waves. Just give the listeners a little background on how it came to be that you surfed Jaws that first time. Yeah, so um, I, okay, I, so I grew up in Sidmouth. And before that, we had a lot of childhood issues, like going around the world, my parents and all that kind of stuff. But we ended up in Sidmouth. And then I grew up in Sidmouth College, where it was quite, I felt quite out of place, you know, being like a darker skin and all the boys being like ghosts, kind of white, you know, it was, it was an easy pick on. But anyway, I, as, as a girl with my brothers, they started surfing. And then I went to a, what is it, like a PGL, like uh, where, kids, where kids go to do activities. And I went there, started surfing and came back home. And my mom was with Guy. So my mom's boyfriend was super into surfing. He was taking me out surfing constantly, and which was super cool. And I started getting into it and I just kind of got the bug, you know. And being my competitive self, I just really, I wanted to get the best, like no matter what, I'd like buy all the magazines watch every single video on on the internet that was about surfing and um i was swimming at the time i was i was a competitive swimmer and they were like pretty much kicked me out because i was too aggressive so i just put all of my energy into surfing and i started like going whenever there was a ripple like the tiniest little wave i would be out there with my shortboard it would be like you needed to take a longboard but i'd still take my shortboard and i'd <laughs> i'd just like paddle around try and get anything i could and then I just started doing comps and I didn't have a car and my mum was working all the time and Guy was doing his thing. So I'd have to take the bus to all the comps. I had to go to Bude, Newquay, a little bit South Coast, North Devon, all that. And I got in a lot of trouble actually because some of the buses wouldn't let me on with a the, with the surfboard and I'd get caught places and all this kind of stuff. But it was a cool experience. But I was definitely getting too competitive and they, they actually kicked me out one comp because I nearly... Uh, ran over some guy's ankle to basically win. We both caught a wave together and then was riding towards each other and I just wanted to ride straight into him so that I'd win. But that just shows you how competitive I was. I just continued. I moved on my own to North Devon, like Saunton, Croyd area. And I was living in the back of a, back of a house in a caravan 
like a family kind of took me in up there because I had no money, absolutely no money. I was working in a surf shop and I just jumped in the, in the caravan kind of just like, it was tiny, but I loved it. You know, it was my own little space. And I never had that because I was growing up with three older brothers. Mm. Yeah, I was living in that for probably like a year, year and a half, something like that, working in a surf shop, surfing every day. And I kept seeing this wave oysters. It's two kilometers out to sea. And when you look at it, it just looks like a tiny little dot of white water in the middle of the ocean. And so I would keep looking at that, keep looking at that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to paddle out there one day, like one day. <laughs> so Will, your brother, Toby, gave me a 7-6 step up from Hawaii. And I was like, I really wanted to surf it. And I finally got out there and it was just, it was like a perfect glossy, like I would say about 10 foot Hawaiian, like 25 foot face. It was just like super shifty, but I managed to get a couple waves. And that's when I really got the bug of getting like bigger waves, you know, super deep water, like seals all around you as you paddle out. So it was super cool. Just amazing, like kind of thing to do. And then I started telling some, some of the pioneers around there that used to surf that spot. Um, like Ralph, he's got a wave there named after him. He would surf there with a, with a buddy like years back. Like they were the first guys to surf it. I was always seeing him. He was always coming in the surf shop. And I told him to surf it. And he was like excited, super excited. He's like, I hadn't known anyone to surf that wave since he did. He told his buddy, and his buddy came up to me one day I was working and he gave me his 11.6 board. Wow. And I was like, no way, this isn't real. You know, it was like, it was a battered old thing with like, a, like a single fin box and like, and two side fins. And, and I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm stoked to, to get this. So this was my, that was my first real gun. Like that was yeah. my first real rhino chaser. And so I grabbed it and the next big day, which turned out to be huge, like huge. I was working that day and I was like trying to get it off, trying to get it off, trying to get it off. And, and Glenn, the dude who owned the surf shop, wouldn't let me take the day off. So I was like, I'll just wait, wait, wait. It was like six when I was supposed to finish the surf shop. And I finished, grabbed my wetsuit and paddled from Saunton, which I've never done before. So from the beach to there, it took me another two hours, even with that big board, because it was from the beach <laughs> to, the, to the wave. That's classic. And I finally got out there and it's, it's already getting dark. So I'm like, oh shit, I just got to go. And I got some of the biggest waves of my life. Like, and I had this crappy little leash. I couldn't afford a big leash and the, and the big wave leashes didn't come out then. But I was just praying it wouldn't snap, you know, the whole wow. time. And I got a bunch of waves and then and I was like, okay, just one more. You know, you classic, you're out there. You're like, one more, one more, one more. And then I did the whole one more thing. I sat out the back and it just went flat. I just stayed, stayed, stayed. It just pitch black like that. And then... It was a full moon that night, so, so, so at least I had, I had some good, good lighting. <laughs> so I, I started paddling back. I don't know if it was a lighthouse up there, but there was, there's some kind of big light. So I just had to aim for there. I just paddled straight down, just trying to get you know, the perfect place to go in a down end point, which is a reef that sticks out to the ocean. And usually paddle from there to the beach, but I finished work at that time, so that's that was the easiest place. But I tried to get in at the exit at Down End Point, but it was pitch black, so I completely missed the exit after two paddling two hours, and I was exhausted. So I tried to find another. I tried to find another exit. So I jump in on another exit, like what well, I thought it was. I was confronted with like a cliff at that point, and I was like, I either jump out, I'm exhausted. At this point, I'm exhausted. I, I was like, I either jump back in the ocean. 
and probably get destroyed on the rocks to try and get around to Saunton or just try and climb this cliff. So I tried to climb the cliff and I stuck my fins into the cliff and was just climbing like that, you know? Oh, at one point I, I slipped and just grabbed a hold of the board. And if I didn't and I slipped, I would have broken my legs, guaranteed. Like it was straight into the rocks below. But I managed to get up on the road and then I had to like hitchhike back to work to Saunton and then get my clothes, leave my board and then go home. And I had to cycle home and it was frosty that day and then my <laughs> bike broke. But I eventually got home. It was, it was okay. That's kind of my pursuit, my start to big wave surfing. And then from there, I got the bug and, you know, I wanted to get the biggest waves in my life. And as soon as I could, I flew to, to Hawaii, to straight to Maui, to straight to Jaws. And I got my first like Jaws gun, specific gun. And then that's when the story that you were just mentioning, Will, hmm. was when the competition was on. That was the first time the Jaws comp ever started. And we were surfing Jaws like before that a bunch of times with all the boys it was awesome you know so it's crazy experiences working my way up i was surfing like 10 foot days and 15 foot days and 20 foot days and then the jaws comp came i felt like i wanted to i don't know me being you know young dumb full of cum kind of <laughs> mentality i just wanted to paddle out get the biggest wave and and show all the boys that you know south coast boy can can also be in the run-ins for the comp i tried to get out in the normal takeoff place like on the rocks and paddle out they cut it off for all the competitors yeah so i drove to maliko gulch uh which is uh four kilometers away from where it was back down the road and mm -hmm. so i went down to maliko where they were all launching the skis and i was asking all the boys like uh, i knew a bunch of them where i would ask them and be like hey can i go on the ski they're all full and they were you know aggro like oh who's this guy kind of thing mm. so I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just paddle. I'll start paddling from here. So I jumped in the water, started paddling. I remember distinctly the sun was just coming up. It was about 4.30, something like that. Sun was just coming up. It was a beautiful, beautiful sunrise. It was incredible. And it was glistening off the cliffs, off the water. And I just kept paddling, paddling, paddling. And I got like pretty far until this guy, uh, Sean Walsh, I believe, he came up next to me on the ski with Greg on the back, Greg Long, and they were kind of talking amongst themselves. And then they just went, like, Greg was just pretty much convincing him to just jump, for me to just jump on the back, on the, on the sled. Uh, eventually, the guy agreed, and I jumped on the back of the sled. Oh, it was such a bumpy ride. And I, I don't know if you've ever lied down on the back of a, of a <laughs> uh, sled before with your board for 3K or 3.5K, but it was, it was pretty bumpy. They were kind of like, they had to get there real quick. So, you know, it was a speedy one. Got there and then jumped straight off. They were like, okay, good luck. Uh, just, we'll talk to you after. I got my first proper Jaws that day, I guess. Oh. It was a 30-foot day. I didn't get the biggest wave, but it was like, it was a real fun one. I ended up falling off and getting a heavy wipeout, but I didn't have an inflation vest. I just had like boardies and, and a, uh, a kite impact vest. Uh, yeah, I had a, had a wipeout. My leash snapped. I had a crappy leash, you know, from Sidmus. <laughs> um, yeah, my board went off into the rock, or someone actually ended up grabbing it. Had a wipeout and everything like that. And it just kind of showed me that if I haven't got all the great equipment mm. and I can still surf it, get a wipeout, all that kind of stuff, 
that I can surf it and I can withstand a wipeout after watching them for years, talking about how heavy it is, how dangerous it is. And don't get me wrong when I say this, it's one of the most dangerous things, but it showed to me myself that I can do it, you know, mm. and I'm not the biggest charger out there. I'm not the whatever, but I'm going to do it for myself. And I'm going to, I'm going to show to myself that I can surf this wave and that South boy from England can surf this wave just as good as, I don't know, some of the boys from around the world or some of the boys here. So it was a big thing for me personally. I didn't really care about the whole persona, all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to do it for me. And then I got spotted from some companies. I ended up getting some sponsors from that and on the news and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I didn't really like it. Mm. It was just kind of like foreign to me. So I just kind of did my own thing, went to Mexico after that for three months. Then went back to England and I was like, I have to get straight back to Hawaii. Like, mm-hmm. like I'll work the crappiest jobs, the worst things ever to get back out there. And I did. I got the first ticket back, ended up marrying a girl and getting the visa. And then we're now divorced, but I'm still going through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gnarly wave to fall off the old divorce. That's a little bit about me. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Wow, man. I mean, that is an epic story from oysters to jaws and uh, everything in between. question I've got, Adam, because you know, especially with, I always make this joke on the show as well, with my advancing years and my sort of long break, I sort of stopped surfing in my 20s properly and then came back to it and Will and I have been surfing together for a good few years now and trying to push the limits as an older guy. And where does, you probably get this, asked this a lot, but does fear ever uh, come into your realm of consideration or is it the sort of determination and and, and actually you answered one of my questions, sort of doing things for yourself. Yeah. Is that the driver or is there ever an element of fear there? Because, you know, I'm shitting myself paddling into overhead Morganporth. Uh, so to, yeah. the, idea of, uh, the idea of sort of taking off on a wave like Jaws without any of the inflation vests or the kind of safety rigs around, just, you know, get the cold sweats just talking about it, let alone being in the ocean and doing it. Okay, so I came up with my own course after this. For, I've been working on it for about five years now. Yeah. And I work physical, mental, um, mental conditioning Mm. and kind of soulful work where I'll take guys, you know, go to the gym with them, go do some breath training and meditation. I'm trying to focus on the complexities of the mind. Mm. So if I can take their body through some strain Mm. straight into lung work, Mm. where they're already starting to use their brain, where they're going, oh, I want to come to the surface, I want to do I run through a bunch of um, different, you know, circumstances underwater and then go straight into meditation. Just for one example, I'll try and get them to, to meditate and be in their most comfortable position. And then in the background, I'll put a speaker up to 100% and play heavy metal. And they got to relax as much as they can. That's just one little thing they got to think about. And they got to be in them. And if they react they give me, I don't know, 50, 50 push-ups. So it's kind of a mental thing where you go to yourself and you go, oh, if I reacted to that, then I'm doing something bad that mm. I don't want to do. Although it sounds very like army-like or something like that, it, it actually trains. I've seen 
um, there's this girl, this one girl that I trained, she, she has a anx- massive anxiety. She has many things. I, I don't just train surfers and stuff like that, but you know, people that just have mental blocks mm. that where I'll take them through all these, all these different things. And I just meet up with them one day after doing all this, they just seem like more whole in themselves where they just don't have this mental block. They don't have this fear of going through all this mental state because they've just gone through some, some heavy, heavy shit, you know, mm-hmm. to condition the mind means that you can do anything. Anyone that does like crazy shit, mm-hmm. they're going to have fear no matter what. It's, mm-hmm. it's just how you manage it. And if you can feel comfortable in all those different situations, then life is going to be a lot easier, a lot less stressful for you. So you get a ticket on your car, you're not going to be screaming at people and you're just going to take it as it is, find the best solution. It's just one of those things you just you just sit down, you relax, you think about the best position and you just go from there. But it's all about remaining calm and, and all that. Do you think a lot of the preparation now, especially as you sort of charge bigger and bigger waves and, and put your body through that, the preparation is actually outside of the ocean as much as it is inside and getting that practice, you know, that repetition, that conditioning of feeling and the smells and the sounds and the, the feeling of being in those big waves. There's a lot of stuff that you're doing outside of the ocean as well to get that conditioning. I mean, we talked earlier about you getting in some amazing shape in the gym. I mean, how much is done on land and how much is done in the ocean? I would say probably like 85% of it is on land. Wow, yeah. I go to the gym every single day. And then I would say like, honestly, spearfishing and, and all that kind of stuff and in the pool work is kind of, especially now with coronavirus, all the pools closed. Mm. It's a lot harder, but yeah, it used to be 85, like 15. It changes a lot, you know. Do you, Adam, do you have a, like a formal meditation practice yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll just try and go for like half an hour a day, something like that. Mm. I mean, I do skip a lot of days. Mm-hmm. and I don't feel as good in myself until I get back and start doing that meditation practice again. What is it about um, the meditation, do you think, that helps? I just, I go in my deepest self, and I can just, you know, not think about anything else but myself. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone, I personally believe that everyone needs to think about themselves at least once a day, you know, mm-hmm. or at least focus on your breathing. Mm-hmm. Because life can just go by and you can be doing so much stuff throughout the day. Both of you guys know you're active guys and, and you're constantly doing things. But, and you have kids and it takes up a lot of your day, doesn't it? Yeah. But when you sit down and just focus on your breathing, focus on yourself, don't think about anything else, it's split, isn't it? It's, it's something just like a getaway and you come back and you feel refreshed. That's how I look at it. And I don't have guided meditation with other people. I've, I've done it before, but I do my own thing now and it seems to be working. So that's how I do it, I guess. Really cool, man. Mm. Do you also find, Adam, with, with regards to, you know, there's a lot of talk, we have this on our show, where should someone meditate or should they go surfing to relieve stress? Because, of course, both are really, really good for stress management because, and arguably, surfing is meditation in that sense because when you're in the ocean, you're just present with yourself. But would you say that if someone's a surfer, would you recommend that they still do uh, meditation in their, in their day as well? Yeah. So I remember talking to my friend about this the other day. Okay. So I recently got kind of out of surfing. I took a trip away for a month to refresh because personally, I don't think surfing's always the way 
because it can be quite repetitive. Mm. You're doing this, not necessarily the same things. If it brings you happiness and, and stoke all the time, that's amazing, but it can, you know, be repetitive. Mm. And if you're trying to be going to yourself and calm yourself and all that, I personally believe if you just take a, a step back, if meditation is your thing, great. If working out is your thing, if whatever refreshes you, do I think do that before you do anything that really would usually bring you happiness. Because for me, if I go spearfishing, I'll go 90% of the time underwater just observing. That's all I'm doing. Most of the time, I'm not even catching fish because it's so meditative for me. I don't even know if that's a word, but yeah, um, no, yeah I'm just pretty much meditating underwater. Yeah. It just refreshes everything else that I do in my life. And if you have that escape, some people have uh, mountain biking, they have other things that they have hand in hand with surfing or, or whatever they're doing, uh, which brings stoke to each one. So mm-hmm. surfing brings mm-hmm. me stoke for spearfishing because I'll look down in the water and go, oh, I wish I was spearfishing. Yeah. And then I'll go spearfishing and I'll be like, oh, I wish I was surfing. So not necessarily be thinking about that the whole time because you're enjoying yourself, but you just want to keep going, keep going, keep going. So whatever your outlet is, I think just keep doing it, but mix it up and change. Because when I was growing up, my mum would constantly tell me change is as good as rest. Yeah. So if you keep changing it up, it is. It's, it's refreshing for the body. It's refreshing to the mind. And you'll have just an amazing feeling in yourself. Yeah. No, I totally get that. My mum says the same thing. And it's quite interesting to have a look at this idea that, you know, we're now really educated around variety for gut biome and that second brain getting fed and having variety. And it's kind of making sure that our yeah. sort of original mind, if you like, has that variety as well. Because, yeah, repetition and, you know, routine is great in some respects, but you can get stuck in a rut, right? If you don't try and push and experience different things you know that's great advice for me personally as well actually to try to switch up sea swimming does it for me i I love sea swimming and then and then i think oh yeah maybe maybe we'll get back on a surfboard and then you're on a surfboard and today you think actually it'd be nice to do some body surfing as well rather than sort of having this yeah it's really cool yeah adam i just want to ask you something dude how do you stay motivated to ride big waves when it takes so much courage and gung-ho attitude and, and not caring what people think about you know, the equipment you're on or where you're from and all these kinds of things. How do you stay, how do you stay motivated to ride big waves? I've been kind of on and off doing like different things, trying different things each year before each winter. I guess most of the time I just don't really care what other people think. And, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever I get into that, whenever I think, oh, like what are they thinking or what I have to keep them happy or this and that, I just feel super bummed at the time. I'm just not, I'm not motivated. I'm not this. And I'm just thinking about other I, now I just completely cut it out and I have no shits given is the easiest way to put it. What someone else would think about me going out there or what my equipment is, I don't care at all. But, um, but what I do care about is preparing my mental and that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's really cool, man. But yeah, just doing fun things. Honestly, being surrounded by awesome people, like fun people with energy mm. is how I just get stoked. And then that just translates to everything that I do. If, if you surround yourself with positive people, then I feel like your whole life is going to be something fun and people are just going to be like awesome around you. Like, for example, we'd go, you know, one day you could be going to Hana and, and jumping on waterfalls with awesome, energetic people. And then the next day you're going to be stoked and doing the next adventure. So I just try and keep adventuring. That's like my main thing, I guess. <laughs> 
who's inspiring you in that? Do you have a mentor for yourself for the for the waves that you're chasing or the surf that you're trying to push yourself in? And I don't have one specific person yeah. that is a mentor. I have I have a bunch of people who I look up to here. Like there's one guy who I, I used to train with personal training. Mm. Uh, go to the gym, see him, and and he. He's a beast, absolute beast. I, I remember when I first come to Maui, he's like similar size to me. And, mm. and um, you know, he was like working out, doing yoga, but he would go every single day, every hour, doing something like yoga, working out. And his meditation brought him to have, he's like a Hulk right now. Like there's veins popping out his nose, you know, it's insane. And he's just this humble dude. That's just one mentor. And then I'll have some big wave mentors like Kai, where I just look up to him and he's constantly doing something, you know, yeah. constantly like his stoke levels are just a hundred percent, if not more, just all the time because he's all constantly changing it up, windsurfing, surfing, something, you know, and then I'll have my, one of my best mates around here We'll go adventuring, we'll go hiking, we'll go surfing crazy places, we'll go, I don't know, diving some weird places. And then and then I have some other divers who are mentors where I'll go with them and they're just crazy. They'll go to the deepest, darkest depths and I can't get there. I'm still trying to work my way down there, you know, but it's just amazing to be surrounded by like positive people who are running in the same pace as you. You want to, if you're running with someone who's lagging behind you, you're going to be lagged behind you. You're only as as quick as your slowest player. Yeah. Yeah. So the people you want to surround yourself with, they bring you stoke. Like I'm sure with you two, yeah. I can tell your stoke is like brimming from each other. You know, you're feeding from each other. You want to go surfing. You want to do this. You want to do that. And life can, life can take over sometimes. Like I'm sure with the kids, I'm sure with this, with that. But as long as you have your mates, which is a massive, massive thing in life, mm. as long as you surround yourself with good people, mm. then I feel like you just, you become better. Like even for me, I was going through some, some stuff with my ex and, and when I broke up with her, I was, you know, I was feeling it a lot, mm. but uh, yeah, I had some great people around me and they helped me and yeah, it was, it was good. Awesome. That's so cool to hear. Awesome. 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 Yeah. You are the, some of the people you spend the most time with. So make sure they're the right. Yeah, people. Exactly. I love that. Adam. And yeah. listen, dude, we'll round it off on yeah. that note. Thanks so much for, for coming on today. I just, I swear, swear, dude, your energy it's infectious. Uh, it really runs <laughs> off. I've just been enthralled listening to you today. So thank you for that, man. Yeah, dude. No, thank you guys. I love talking to you guys and, and seeing you guys. And yeah, it's been, been awesome. And listen, I think one of the things I would say is that sort of your star is rising massively. But when we talk about mind, body and stoke being these like pillars that we sit in this show on, I think you're really living all three of those tenants so beautifully, man. So keep it up. It's a joy to see. Oh, thank you. It's, it means a lot to me to hear that, you know? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's just great seeing the new Devon Army sticker yeah. fly, flying down the yeah. face massive waves. <laughs> 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 Love it. Nice one, Aaron. All right, dude. All right, guys. Okay, I'll see you later. Take care. Bye. See you soon. Take care, bro. Bye. Dude, that was great, wasn't it? Really great insight. And, you know, as I said at the end there to him about him embodying some of the principles that we're talking about around mindful practices, practicing outside of the ocean, not giving a shit what people think of you, challenging fears, authenticity, friendship, surrounding yourself with good people. It's great. And actually kind of nicely ties in, you know, we canonize uh, Seth Godin's sort of principles on a lot of this stuff, but the kind of overriding factor, as we were saying just before the interview about struggle, but setting that aside is 
Adam's embracing of this philosophy that you do not wait for a tap on the shoulder to go out and try and live your dream or achieve something that you want to achieve. Totally agree. It's never, if you wait for somebody else to tell you it's your mm. turn, very rarely is that going to happen. So you have to go out with both hands and grab it as hard as you can. And he's done that more than anyone else probably that it's, we know from a surfing perspective. I, I completely agree. He, he He's, and talk about shooting on the on the other foot right yeah. now, because I've taken you into bigger exactly. ways. Exactly. Um, and Adam yeah. was freaking 18 mm. when he took me to down end point at about mm. 10 to 12 feet, mm. breaking at mid-ish low tide onto, well, I was taken off and felt like we were like 15, 20 meters from the rocks in yeah. front. And if you just got wiped out enough that you would just go straight into the rocks. Mm. So that was really humbling. And mm. I pulled out of a bunch of waves and I was undergunned and I did make a couple and I sort of cooked it. And Adam's just taking off deeper and deeper and deeper into the bowl and, uh, getting some hellish bombs and sort of it's no surprise he's gone on to do what he's done i think that some people have a real addiction yeah to some degree healthy one yeah to monstrous waves and to me it's the most bizarre thing i mean i i know what my level is i i know that i can go to a certain certain size but we discussed this before that size in surf isn't really a very good measure. I completely agree. And William Finnegan nails it. We talked a lot about bar- bar- barbarian days. Yeah, yeah. For me, this is exactly how I see the size element. There's a very egoic bit to size. Yeah, totally. But it's about waves shouldn't even be measured in size. They should be me- measured in increments of fear. Because one person's, uh, to that point, my scary, my fear point is not yours. And Adam, your fear point is not Adam's. Completely. And there might be a point, although it's hard to see with Adam, where maybe uh, Garrett McNamara or Maya or somebody like that's fear point is not Adam's and so on and so forth. It just keeps going. Keeps going. I know where my lines are and the admiration I have for people who were able to push through that fear. Because as he mm. said, everybody has, there's still fear in it. If you don't mm. have fear, you, mm. you, then that's when it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You need some element of your adrenaline pumping in order to, make you perform to your optimum level absolutely but yeah that that sort of increment of fear when it comes to big waves because as you're saying size can be deceiving you might think they're yeah. small waves uh, even that day at croyd yeah they weren't yeah. huge waves but the water that day there was mean and heavy as it gets at croyd Completely. sometimes at high tide when it's pushing in at high tide massively and it was interesting that he drew upon a lot of his preparation because i think that when someone listens to a guy like adam who's going to hopefully be on the big wave world tour one day i don't think he's not right now is he no of course he's not but they might kind of hear an interview like that and go well i can't relate to that level of preparation because i'm I'm never going to go in in 50 foot jaws but that's not the case for me preparation is a thing we can all do um for 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 any area of life whatsoever but relating it to surfing even if it's a couple of feet yeah how's your hips yeah How's your lower back? How's mm. your, where's your mind at? Mm. You know, do you, how balanced do you feel? Like, yeah. you know, have you hydrated? And, you know, there, that's a list of like five things. Yeah. There's like 10 things, there's 15, 20 things. Um, have you dialed in stuff at home yeah. with the family? Like, is everything okay yeah. there before you go? You know, there's loads of little, 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 little things that prepare yeah. a great surf yeah. or a good surf. And I think that with Adam in mind, of course, he's got this amazing preparation, does this mindfulness technique with the yeah. heavy metal on the, yeah, on the thing. That. that was crazy. And, um, you know, practices this kind of positive mantras that he does all these things and does all his training with his fitness stuff and jujitsu and things. But the thing that, re- that relates for me is is to continue to prepare for surfs in the same way, no matter what the size. Because I think that if you kind of go into what we call maybe a, a universal principle of surf preparation, yeah. It's being in the center. Yeah. Now, if my mind 
is way out front. Let's say I've gone through a surf drought. Yeah. Let's say I've just got down to the beach and it is busy. And let's say I've only got half an hour. Yeah. And let's say I'm on a bit of a rush. Let's say I've not drunk some water. Let's mm-hmm. say like the, all these things start stacking on top of the other. Yeah. Basically, where am I? Well, I'm not in the now. Yeah. My mind is elsewhere. My mm. mind is over there. It's over mm. there. It's 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 like, oh my God, get those ways. Yeah. Get those ways. What kind of session am I going to have? Well, I've had many, many mm. sessions like that and they've mm. not gone well. Mm. Feet don't quite hit the pad yeah. the, the way they should for that top turn. Yes. Um, I, people keep getting in the way. Yeah. I just feel a bit tired, a bit sluggish, yeah. almost yawning because I've yeah. not got enough, enough hydration yeah. and the list goes on and on. The other way around is if the past is taking you out of the center. Now, if mm. I've had a really let's say scary surf yes. on my last session yeah. that can take me out of center yeah. pre-surf. Mm. So I think like anything with preparation, it's find your center. And that could be very, very different yeah. for every single person. Like it's not always just sit and breathe and meditate. Mm. You know, for someone else, it's just really notice the walk on your way down to the beach yeah. or for someone else, it's make sure everything's okay at home before you go. Mm. And, and, and when you have your drive, play some, some music that inspires you, whatever mm-hmm. it is, get yourself mentally into the, into the middle Mm-hmm. And into the center. And then when you get to the beach, if there's something that potentially could trigger you yeah. out of center. Now, for one person, it might be huge waves yeah. or bigger waves than they thought they were going to yeah. be. Still stuff they could do. Yeah. Well, that could trigger you Yeah. because it could take you out of center. Oh, God, this is going to be fuck. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Firstly, notice that. Mm. And the next piece is if it's crowded, let's mm. say, because I'd, I'd say mm. that's the two mm, arguably biggest triggers in surfing yes. out of center pre-surf, what, yeah. which is... One, well, actually, no, it's the other way too. It's too yep. small, yep. unrideable, mm. or it's too, too gnarly. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the crowd mm. factor. Mm. If you can just spot in your preparation for surfing when you're getting triggered, I think it's going to be a big key to being a more mindful surfer where you can then go in much more in the middle, much Completely. more in the centre. Um, it's avoiding those triggers, isn't it? And saying, well, not avoiding them, but having a strategy for dealing with them. Well said. A bit like yes. Adam said with his kind of parking, he's kind of interestingly related to like parking ticket or something, but it's how you manage the reactions that defines how you uh, deal with those situations. Very so, much so all of that stuff, I, I, I love that stuff as well, because what you're talking about there in terms of thinking about how you then deal with those things when you're in the ocean, almost 90% of your training could be outside of the arena of contact, as I call it. So whatever that sport is, whatever that business bit might be, if you manifest through visualization, if you do the relentless practice, if you you know, on a biomechanical level, look at what you need to do with your body to get it to work properly. People like Kale Brock, who we sort of mentioned in social recently, and Rod Machado, who we talk a lot about on the show in terms of surf skate, online practice, mm-hmm. thinking about how you maybe when you're doing any kind of maneuver, what that looks like outside of the water. 100%. You know, so all of that stuff is, you know, I think it was a military thing probably from back in the day with people like Andy McNabb when they were writing books about um, their experiences in the first Gulf War. And, and, and it was kind of a very much a kind of military sort of um, approach to these things that mm. is like the five P's or something. It's like proper preparation prevents piss poor performance or the six of you. Heard that before? I remember, I, my coach used yeah. to say it all the time. And I think it has its roots in that sort of um, tradition. You can't argue with it really, can you? Because if you're prepared for it, then if it happens, you've, you've at least done something about it makes a lot of sense and i think even in relation to small waves because yeah. i know i can be really pissy yeah about small waves if, mm. if i'm not careful and if i'm being pissy well what am i doing well i'm not present yeah i'm wishing i was somewhere else yeah and so that center being out of it yeah will affect performance and enjoyment yeah because the two go hand in hand and if we can just no matter what the conditions no matter how crowded it is or isn't yeah. it's just um because sometimes actually talk about the shoe being on the other foot if you're like, if you're turning up to like south australia yeah the trigger could be that there's no one in because mm. there's fucking sharks. Yeah. 
So if you're the only one going in yep. and it's that sharky, now it's funny, isn't it? Because we think of, of crowds as being a trigger. Well, yeah. actually, you get to some breaks. You want to see a crowd. Like you had in, in up the, on the Northeast. I mean, there was like no one in, wasn't it? Yeah. There was just me and a seal. You and a seal. And that's actually... Even the ooh, seal freaks you out sometimes. It does. So. It does. I've had that. Yeah. We're well, quite an aggressive seal, the one that we've got sometimes around here. Sammy. Yeah. I get that you sort of, every situation will be different, but at least if you kind of prepared for it, you can see what happens. And that's it. That doesn't mean that, again, because we're the mindful surf and we talk a lot about the power of now and being in the moment, you can still do these things without influencing the moment. I think that's a very important thing is that you can still have ambition, you can still have plans, you can still have dreams, mm. but it's not allowing the past or the future to impair the enjoyment of the today. Very nice, dude. Yeah. Um, I want to share a real quick insight that uh, Adam was sharing, with yeah. which I just admire in him so yeah. much. And he really embodies this, having got to know him well, but mm. also in having seen that the, the proof is in the pudding. Look what he's doing with his life, but not giving a shit what people think. Love it. It's big. And you, you are paddling out some big egos with 15 stickers on their boards. Yeah. And all the right life fests yeah. and, and impact fests and teams and yeah. jet skis and Red Bull this and Red Bull yeah. that. And Adam. Yeah. He's just paddling out. And they're in the clique and they're in the mm. know. And it's who you're going to upset and how you're going to upset them. But like Seth says, don't wait for your turn. 100%. And he's, uh, he embodies that. Yeah, don't don't give a shit. Just love it. Yeah. I mean, you can relate that to every area of life. I'll make yeah. a bold statement when I say that basically anxiety in general could be whittled down to caring what people think. Massive. If you actually whittle down yeah. anxiety and worry yeah. and concern, yeah. well, what is it to do with? What's it to do with the ego? Yeah. What does the ego at mind to do with? It's to do with the future of the past. And what are those two to do with? Well, it's to do with your interaction with the mm. environment. Mm. We call that the world and people. Because yeah. the world is people. Yeah. It's not just drafts. No. It'd be, not, it'd be easier if it was. <laughs> if unless unless they could surf. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Gerald the giraffe on a board. That'd be pretty kooky, wouldn't it? The giraffe would be like, it was only, it was flat a pipe and it's like 30 foot overhead because it's a long old neck on there. <laughs> Epic. Yeah. <laughs> that has just made me think of the the, the zoo surf olympics yeah. like it's like that would be fucking that's funny mate yeah what would you get an elephant on you'd have to be like a subsquatch yeah badass subsquatch yeah. you get him paddling with his little <laughs> hoofs off the side i mean geez uh, but um i've lost the fuck i was talking about no it's, it's not caring about because anxiety comes people we are brilliant for each other but we're also almost worst enemies 100 percent. and relating to surfing is if you can just be aware just like adam does yeah is when you paddle out, just be aware. You know, self-help yeah. gets this bad rep yeah. as being like, ooh, you know, do this. Mm. And, oh, you, don't you tell me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, all, it's so it's so woo-woo. It, mm. It's actually that if you take a quote like Eckhart Tolle's, I don't even think this is Eckhart Tolle. I think this is Rumi. Mm. It's Rumi. This is Rumi. Um, God's one true voice, silence. Mm. You are away and you're here all at once. So you're away from all the fucking nonsense and you're all here where you need to be when you are just there. And if you can be aware, because you're there, of your mind, and you might think, what the fuck is he talking about right now? But that maybe means that you've got some work to do. But if you're listening to what I'm saying right now and going, oh, yeah, of course, then you are awakening and you have awakened. But if, you, if what I'm saying is making no fucking sense, it's not God help you, but it's just that you're listening to this with some kind of intrigue. Yeah. And I'm sure the cogs are ticking yeah. that you're thinking, shit, actually, I do have a mind. Yeah. And it doesn't have to control me. Mm. And it is really illusionary because when you think about it, it paints these black and white pictures and there's no such thing as a black and white picture. Yeah. 
because there's though, nuance in everything. So you're, and people aren't just the way they are. Because we make these snap judgments, and we can change, and we can become awakened, and all of that stuff. And you know, we have such potential as humans. When you look at what people like Adam are doing in that kind of from a mental and physical perspective, and you, you look at some great achievements in the world, but this sort of idea that for a lot of people to either self-impose walls or to allow the criticism of others of what others think which is not always genuine by the way you can just think that they think something which is in itself is crazy so you're looking at it and saying just because i have an ambition to do something and it might not be the norm or might not be what other people want to uh or or think i should do you have to do it if it's something that you feel is the right path for you and, and not care about what other people think not wait for somebody to give you permission to sort of get on and do it really love that so, yeah, totally do. There was one other thing I was going to say about yeah, go on, it from, from, from a dream perspective, because we, we put something out about what's your surfing dream of, of a couple of weeks ago. And again, in relation to the interview with Adam, is when he talked about, you know, having all these posters on his walls and looking at it. And actually, he's someone who's been able to, through actual implementation of practice and preparation and, and making something like a dream, an attainable thing, through the actions he's taken. So a dream can be, uh, doesn't have to be. If you take the right actions and if you practice and you put thing, the energy and effort in, they might be more attainable than you think, regardless of where you're listening to this. Whatever you were sitting in traffic, you're going home from the office and you don't get to surf very often or whatever it might be. Totally. But anything is possible. I completely agree. And it was interesting, I just want to mention something on that, is that some people sometimes have an anxiety and a worry that they don't have a dream. Yeah. And that they don't have a purpose and yeah. they're not sure where they're going in life. Yeah. And... Just have solace and know that that is absolutely yeah. all part of your evolution. Because if you're wondering, yeah. just the sheer fact that you've paused to wonder, mm. what is my dream? Mm. What do I actually want my surfing mm. life to be? The sheer fact that you have paused in your busy life to think such a thought is enough that the wheels are starting to spin. Yeah. And you give it time. And if that's will keep spinning, because it never stops once mm. it starts spinning, you, mm. you're never going to be able to shut yeah. that shit down. Because yeah. if you do, it's going to suppress it yeah. and it's going to make you feel mm. like you're not coming alive. Mm. And that's going to be way, way harder to deal with mm. than just getting on with it mm. and just taking some action. Because it's never as bad when you start taking action as you think it might be. Yeah. It's never as scary. Yes, there are always challenges, but fuck me, it's worth it. Yeah. And, and we, can, we can all create our surfing dream if we put our mind to it. We can. I just want to really quickly mention, we are yes. a wrap on this. Priscilla Gwiders. Yes. I really want you to check her out. Liam, you got me onto her. Yeah. And she's on Instagram. Check out her content. If you like what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, you will love what she does and puts out there into the world. Just to finish on something that she said, actually. Please do. And um, she, she's a great human and embodies a lot of what we talk about and it's kind of an inspiration here. But she said recently that, again, in reference to what we're talking about, being the best version of ourselves, investing our time in what we believe and deserve our energy and letting go of what is not important enough for our history. We are the script writers of our life. Isn't that amazing? What did you write today? Thanks, life. You are my favorite activity. And I feel so lucky for having this new day starting just right now. Super. What thanks, lovely, lovely. thanks, Priscilla. Thanks, Priscilla. And would love to have you on yeah. the show. Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. See you soon. Bye. Ciao, ciao.